When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? This is Marcus, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Shira. And we are really excited uh, for today's episode. We have a a set of special guests uh, that are going to be talking about one of the most requested, or you know, highly engaged topics that we have which is real estate i mean yes. a lot of people want to you know know more about it and want want to hear us talk more about it so we, we definitely are excited for today's episode we have jeremy and Jana on with us how are you both doing doing good doing good that's great that's great and, and uh, these two are real estate investors so they're going to be sharing a bit of their journey with us so uh, we're excited to get started yeah so uh can we just start off with you just telling us a little bit about yourself Okay, my name is Jeremy Lane, and I'm from an itty-bitty town called Pomeria, South Carolina, population of maybe two, 300 people. Yeah. And we're from Atlanta. Okay, that's great, that's great. <laughs> and, and you know what? Uh, I, I got to talk with Jeremy uh, offline, you know, via social media, and we realized we got a whole bunch in common, not only oh. our taste in music, but then also, like, the fact that we... Uh, or real estate investors, and we both we both have the same number of properties. I was like, man, this is crazy. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah we want to definitely uh, tap into that. So, what led you both uh, to get started in real estate investing? Well, I became an accidental landlord. Okay. So I bought my first property. This is way before we got married. Uh, I bought my first property in two thousand and seven. Gotcha. Um, when I bought the house, y'all remember the Great Recession happened? Yes. So when that happened, I bought my house for, it was $138,000. When the Great Recession, this is like July 2007. When the Great Recession happened, the values dropped to maybe half. Now at the time, I didn't really understand what was happening. I said, wait a minute, why is my house worth half what I paid for? it? I didn't understand. So what I did was I said, okay, I'm going to start house hacking. Right. So when I got into a house, I can, for those that don't know what that is, that's basically when you have roommates living in the house and they help pay your mortgage or you use that money to uh, use for down payments or other investments. Uh, when I became an accidental landlord, I, my job, so in Atlanta, I don't know if y'all been to Atlanta or not, but yeah, the, not. The okay, well, the traffic is crazy. Even 13 years ago, the traffic was crazy. <laughs> and I took a job that was about 45 minutes away and I said, you know what? I'm going to buy another house, but I need to rent this house out because I couldn't sell it at the time because the values weren't, I still owed a lot of money on the house. Right. So that's, that's how I became an accidental landlord. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. That, that's really dope. Like uh, that strategy of, of house hacking. Now, had you, had you heard of anyone else doing that or was that just, how, how did you come up with that house hacking idea? Because for, for a lot of people, that's well, a fairly new thing. Well, it wasn't at the time. It wasn't a term. It just I felt like okay, I'm a single guy. Yeah, I had a three bedroom, two bathroom house. Why not rent out this space that I'm not even using? 
Wow. It's just, it was a conversation with me. I said, you know, this is what I'm going to do to make extra money instead of working a part-time job. Right. So I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just, but I'm going to make sure I make good use of this money. So I'm going to save it and try to maybe invest down the future, down the road. Wow, that's yeah. Really, that's really cool. Yes. Really cool. Yes. I like that a lot. So tell us a little bit more. So, so you are doing the house hacking before you get married. Are you still um, acquiring additional properties or did did you do that after you all were married or? No. So at that time, when I first bought this house, um, that was a little closer to my job, when I, that t- the job that I took, I was like, you know what? After I filed my first, um, my taxes, when I filed my taxes after I bought my second property, I was like, wait a minute, my tax refunds are way bigger uh-huh. and i learned a lot more about all the write-offs that i could get so from there i said you know what i need to get a little bit more into this because i want to try to reduce my tax liabilities all the way down even further to zero if possible and so that's what got us started so i bought my second house in 2013 and then after that the next one was in 2013 wow so and two, two in 2013 yes that's, that's what we did so 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 that was number three then for you yes in 2015 yes that was number three that's correct and i'm sorry uh, jen i cut you off no i was just gonna say as far as um real estate is concerned so um jeremy was the one that kind of i guess the brains behind the operation if you will um so just to tell you a little bit about me like i've pretty much been in school my whole life like we're seven years apart i'm a physical therapist so of course that comes with that well i'm not trying to get ahead of the questions but it comes with that and things of that sort so he was kind of um the one to just explain more about like real estate and building like passive income so that's kind of you know the history behind that if you will exactly that's cool that's really cool Mm -hmm. uh so now, what year did you did you all get together? I know we're around yeah. 2015 now, so you all got together when? Yeah, we met in 2014. Yeah. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got married in 2017. Okay. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. So now, uh, I know you say you were an accidental landlord. That kind of got your feet wet. Did you at any point get some education in real estate before you acquired like uh, house number two and three or did you just kind of just kind of well, freestyle it well let's take it back just a little bit so okay. before i bought the house in 2007 before the great recession happened uh there was a book that sparked my interest called uh why we want you to be rich mm-hmm. with robert kiyosaki and uh donald trump have y'all heard of it Yes, I have heard of that book. So I this haven't, is, read, haven't it. read it though. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so this is this was in 2006 before Donald Trump became a politician. Gotcha. I read the book and he was talking about how they don't, I mean, about how they don't pay any taxes. I was like, wait, how do y'all not pay any taxes? This is crazy. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't understand. And I read the book and that was part of my interest to even get a house to begin with because I was living in an apartment beforehand. Gotcha. So after I read the book, that was the first thing I said I was going to do, which is buy a house. And that, yeah, that's really what, what just got me started. Wow. That book. And back then, um, have y'all, I, I take it y'all heard of the Bigger Pockets uh, yes. platform. That didn't exist back then. And YouTube still was up and coming. Like a lot of the resources weren't on YouTube to that degree, like it is now today. So uh, just reading these books uh, is what's really got us started. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's amazing. That's great. And so one of our questions was around mentorship. So did you have a mentor or did you kind of navigate uh, through uh, your real estate ventures um, together or by yourself? Uh, have y'all heard of the RIA, the real estate investment groups? Yes, so yes. We, that's really where, uh, the, so I was going, I was attending a lot of those and they would do them like every Tuesday. And, you know, they would talk about wholesaling, buying, hold, flipping, whatever you're into. Uh, they, they, they always had some type of special keynote speaker to come and just lecture about that stuff. And you had and the, a bunch of other investors were there as well. So we would just bounce ideas off each other. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of investors say that those real estate, uh, groups and meetups, you know, are really instrumental in them gaining that knowledge. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. recommend that to, you know, folks listening, you, they're usually, like you said, in, in your local area, they're, they are meetups always happening. So definitely. definitely that's cool. And if you, and if you look on bigger pockets, uh, on their forum, you can just Google and you will find, they always have investors on there. That'll tell you where their local meetups are at yeah. as well. That's great. That's great. So, so now let me ask you all. So we got the, the accidental property. Mm -hmm. So when you're on your, on your first investment, how did you get that? Like, uh, logistically, was it a, uh, conventional loan? Did you, did you, did you like, like how did that deal? Conventional, happen? conventional, the, the, the 20% down, we had to put down, uh, yeah, that's how I was telling you that. And of course, we had when I was house hacking to begin with, I, that's what I was saving all that money for was gotcha. to come up with the down payment and any disposable uh, income I had left over. I said, you know what? I'm just going to take this and save it on top of the tax returns. And as soon as I get 20 percent, I'm going to try to find that property. Man, that's great. I know that was yeah. one of our questions was to ask you all about um, the down payment, because that for a lot of people was a huge barrier um, mm -hmm. coming up with that 20 percent. So do you have any any strategies or or how how are you two able to navigate that in general? Well, besides saving one, um, when we would get like our tax return back, then we would put like a portion aside or, you know, save a portion of that to put towards it. And the thing is too, once you accumulate enough properties, those tax returns become so big that you don't have to make much effort to even get the 20%. Right, right. And that's key yeah. to using that tax return for more than just, you know, balling out. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. No, no. You got to make it work for you. Got to yeah. make it work for you. That's good. That's good. Definitely. Um, so now, did you all invest locally? Uh, I know we're, we're going to further along in the story, we're going to talk about out, investing out of state and things like that. But were these properties pretty local, pretty uh, close together, uh, Jeremy? Well, by default, the first two properties, because, right. yeah, those two properties. Mm -hmm. So we have about one in Norcross and then one in Maywilton, uh, Georgia. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So the out-of-state investing, at which number property did you decide, you know, and I'm going to try to do, uh, you know, go out-of-state and, and do that? Number three, South Carolina? Uh, yeah, South Carolina. Yeah. So the one in South Carolina, because uh, it was close to home. Um, family members can keep an eye on the property. So mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? And plus, it was affordable because, you know, we were talking at the time because this was still during a recession. Yeah. $68,000. Wow. Yeah, because yeah, that, you know, that was going to be our next question was, you know, what do you, because we get this question a lot. It's like, well, what are the benefits, you know, of investing out of state? Is it is it is it scary? You know, people are kind of fearful of that. Right. But you pretty much said you, you did it, you know, where family was in the area. 
And, and so some of the benefits were it was more affordable. Were there any other benefits to, uh, you know, heading out of state and doing it that way? Not, well, for South Carolina, you know, because I was familiar with the area, I said, you know what, we're just going to buy one in South Carolina. But when we got into Alabama, um, the taxes are way cheaper yeah. than they are in South Carolina. South Carolina has a better, the taxes are very high. But you can still make it work if you buy the price. I mean, if you buy the house at the right price, right? But in Alabama, the prices were just so cheap. And I'm talking about you can buy a house back then. Well, this is still during recession, right? Because things didn't really start taking off until like, I think 2017-ish, where prices just started skyrocketing. Yes. But before that point, you could buy a house and you didn't have to overpay for it. You didn't have to, um, what's the other thing I'm trying to think? I'm trying to remember what else was going on at that time. Yeah. Uh, I know, like you're saying, it, it, it used to be a lot more affordable. Uh, right. So you could, what you could do was there were a bunch of homes that were listed that didn't need any work. I'm talking AC was done. I mean, was was brand new. The roof, um, the plumbing, the electrical. And on top of all that, you could negotiate the price. Wow. You can't really do that these days, right? Yeah. At this time, right? You couldn't do that. Yeah. And so that I said, you know what? We're going to take a chance and just and buy a house in Birmingham. And here's a fun fact. We've never stepped foot <laughs> into the house that we bought in Birmingham. Okay, you have never. to tell us more about that. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but we okay, so I read a book from Bigger Pockets and I can't remember the name of the top of my head, but it was about investing out of town. And what I realized was uh, in the book, what he was saying, what the author was saying is that there's no point for you to even go in the house because especially if you're not a contractor, you don't know where you're looking at. Yeah. So what you want to do is find you a home inspector that you trust and find you a real estate investor that you trust. Mm -hmm. So we had this whole format where we'll say, okay, if we find, we, we run the numbers and if we like the numbers, we'll send it to the property manager that we find. And we say, hey, this is the house we're looking at investing in. What are your thoughts? Do you like the area? Do you not like the area? And one of the things I want to tell the listeners is that you want to do it that way because it's in their best interest to give you the best information because they don't make money if they don't give you the right information, right? Wow, because yeah, because yeah, it's ten percent of of the uh, the rent. Yep. So, <clears throat> but with this particular house, since everything was done. My home inspector went in. He says, this house is great. He doesn't find anything wrong with it. I said, well, you know what? That's good enough for me. Yeah. The real estate investor said it looks good. Uh, the home inspector said it looks good. And the property manager was satisfied. So for me, I, okay, I say, well, I don't plan to live there. I don't see a point in going in. Right, right. Wow. So, that's that's some serious nuggets there. Okay. So <laughs> let me make sure I heard you right. Did you say um, a, another investor, maybe an investor in that area would go to, to the house? Uh, property manager. Property yeah, manager. Oh, okay. Property manager. Okay, yeah. I'm about to say. I, okay, <laughs> that would be cool too. But okay, wonderful. But that makes sense though, because uh, I heard this comic say it's like it's like when when your car breaks down and men we pop that hood. Okay. It's like unless there's a button that says off and on, like I don't know what I'm looking at. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> Same so with the point. house. Like, I, don't, I don't know what I'm looking. I'm not a contractor. I'm an insurance adjuster. Right. So right. I don't. 
you know, so what's important is do the numbers make sense? Can we rent this house out at the number that we're trying to get? And if so, then that's it. Yeah. Right, right. And so um, do you use property management um, like services for, for each of your properties or are you doing do. some on your own? Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> Our tenants do not know we exist. <laughs> they, they, and they and I like know. that. Yeah, yeah. do not know. Yeah, I like that. And I noticed one thing I noticed, Jeremy, is like, you guys are real low key. You know, Jeremy hit me on the real, lo- hey, what's up? You know, oh, yeah. real cool with it. You know, and I like that. I was like, you know what? I kind of want to move like that going forward. Right now. <laughs> I like that. Um, so you hit some of the benefits of, of uh, investing out of state. What what were some of the lessons? Yeah, lessons that you learned, if, if, if there were any. Oh, wow. So. <clears throat> One of the biggest ones I've learned now, when the house I bought in South Carolina, uh, the realtor that I had, she told me to, we, so there was some touch up work that needed to be done, uh, paint, so a deep cleaning, nothing major. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things we learned was she, was she told me that we need to put stainless steel appliances in this property. Right. And I said, okay, now I'm still, I feel like I'm a newbie at this point still. And I said, okay. So I put these stainless steel appliances in, but what I realized was that you don't have to do that to get the same amount of rent. So anything that you don't, I mean, that you have in the house, like you, that you, you have to have toilets, you have to have, you know, but in Alabama, you don't have to have appliances in there. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the renters put those in, but in South Carolina, it's different. Gotcha. Yeah. And so what I realized is that I should have just went with black or white appliances instead because they're cheaper because it's all about the cash flow and what we can retain, right? Yeah. So that was one of the things I learned is just do the bare minimum in these properties, unless you're in a high end eight plus kind of area. Yeah. But the I'm, we're in the C class area mm-hmm. of properties, right? So what does that mean for us? Decent school districts, no crime, blue collar, hardworking class areas. That's what we look for. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's some good good advice and. Uh, you know, we do the same. We are kind of in the C plus, you know, kind of, you know, range there. And you learn that uh, we went, went into it, you know, uh, luckily our real estate investor was like, he would give us advice. And so I was like, does this need to be changed? And he's like, you know, get a renter in there first. And if they think, if they want to, you know, if they're not happy with it, they'll let you know. And it's like, oh, okay. Right. Cause we go into it just thinking, right, we got to make this look, you know, and really yeah. a renter just wants a, a home that they can raise a family in, you know? Right. And also, if you're going with a property manager, just take their advice, right? As far as, and I didn't listen to the property manager. I listened to the real estate agent. Gotcha. And that's really not their niche. That's not their forte, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, that's good. Some good nuggets there. One other thing I wanted to say, now that I thought about this, is the insurance. I learned this the hard way. So the house in Columbia, South Carolina that I bought, a tree fell on this house. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, my God, this tree stood and went straight through the house. This is going to cost tens of thousands of dollars. Immediately let me get the insurance company on the phone. I must inform them of what's going on. Yeah. And the adjuster goes out there. He's like, hey, um, we'll send you a check, but you're only talking about $3,000 worth of work. I was like, oh, the the deductible that we had is Mm $2,500, right? So... They basically sent me a check for $500. Now, here's, yes. So here's what I learned. When we started looking for other properties in other states, when we would get quotes, those uh, those 
Asia's told us that, look, these quotes are going to be a lot higher because we have to take into consideration the property that you filed a claim on in South Carolina. Mm. And it stays with you for three years. So had I known that ahead of time, we just would have just fixed it. Just paid for it ourselves as opposed to just filing a claim. Wow. Right? That's good. Yeah, and one other thing I learned about that too is just run it by your agent first before you just call the insurance company um, okay. and speak to an adjuster because then they can give you advice on, on what to do. Because their job is to keep your rates low. Yeah, yeah. This, this so, is some great stuff, Jeremy. Stuff yeah. we didn't even... <laughs> right. Have not even thought about. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just don't know until like you're in that uh, that situation. Yeah. Um, right. Now, right. I do want to slide in and ask this, Jeremy, while okay. we're there. We get a lot of questions about the LLC piece. Should I get an LLC? Some people want to get an LLC before they get their first house. What's your thoughts on the insurance and LLC? Because in doing my research, I've found that if, you, if you're insured properly, you know, it, you really don't really need to get it in LLC until you're, you know, dealing with large amounts of real estate. But what's your take on that? I, same thing. Same thing you just said. In fact, we just have an umbrella policy. Gotcha. Uh, umbrella policies for a million dollars. It's only 30000 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we don't own the houses outright, we never did an LLC. Yeah. Uh, down the road, because of the amount of properties we're planning on getting, we, we're going to look into that as we pay them off. Uh, but yeah, we don't have an LLC. That's that's good. That's good advice. Okay, yeah. I have another question. Yeah. Okay, so thing. say someone's listening and they're just like, "Oh my goodness, I need to get into real estate. I need to. Uh, I, I have to. I'm not going to keep sitting on the sidelines." Um, can you give some tips for how a person might know that they found um, a good house? So, like, how do you know that you found a good deal? Like, what are a few things that you look for? The biggest thing that I can I can say is that you must learn how to run the numbers first and foremost before you do anything learn how to run the numbers because if you get that wrong you get everything wrong you got to learn how to run the numbers um, but as far as where we try to find our houses um, back to that format that I, that I was saying as far as the, the certain areas the reason why I try to stick to the C-class areas because of our price range. We weren't trying to buy houses that were 100,000 or 200,000. We were trying to acquire as many as we could for the cheapest price, right? And that would give us probably the lower, probably the, the, the best outcome um, with our renters, right? Because if you if you invest in a, in, in a, a low-class area, more than likely you're gonna have a lot of problems, yeah. right? But of course, if you invest in, in the A-class areas, you may not have as many problems, you get a better quality tenant, so forth and so on. So um, that's the biggest thing that I can say is, is just learning how to run the numbers. Understand the 1% rule. Yes. yes. And just for people that don't under, that, that are listening, that don't know what the 1% rule is, just for instance, let's say you buy a house for $80,000. You want to at least make $800 in rent. Mm-hmm. That's what they consider to be the 1% rule. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's a good gauge to know if, if it's even something you pursue. You should pursue. If, if you're not getting that 1%, may want to look elsewhere so yeah exactly exactly <laughs> you know, i do yeah definitely uh now sean did you have any other any other questions i have them that last one but yeah i mean i wanted to shift gears a little bit and um just kind of get your thoughts about how the pandemic has impacted you as a real estate investor and how has it changed your views or if it has changed your views and i'm asking this question because Um, I came across an article on, um, I think it was urban.org and it was a survey that found that 
that black and Hispanic landlords are, are struggling at higher rates to pay their mortgages. And despite their struggles, um, black and Hispanic landlords are more likely to work with a tenant to help them to stay in the home. So it's like, uh, Landlords of color are generally more uh, generous and willing to work with folks um, as compared to those who are not. Um, but I just wanted to to pick your brain. I know we have some some thoughts on it as well, but how has the pandemic and like even the things that are going on with the, um, what do they call them? I always get my members. Moratorium. Yeah, Moratoriums, moratorium. right. Like, <laughs> I, I just... Give us your honest thoughts. Come on. <laughs> I think he's the exception to the rule when it comes to that. <laughs> I mean, it's a no nonsense policy. Right? Yeah. So you, um, what I've learned early is that you have to be no nonsense, right? Fortunately, we haven't been impacted by the pandemic. That's good. Uh, only in one of our properties was uh, the lady, uh, one of our tenants, she was late on the rent one month, but she caught up and it's been smooth sailing ever since. But uh, there was a saying I learned from this uh, old, old landlord. He told me this. He said, if you give a rat a cookie, he will later come back and ask for a glass of milk. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> uh, the, the way I see it, I, I understand this is hard times, but the thing is, is if my tenors are good to me, I try to, my best to be good to them. If there's a request for something to be fixed, I try to get it done as fast as I can within reason. Uh, but some people will not try to pay you. I mean, they, they just won't pay you. Yeah. They, they'll try to take advantage of that. Yeah. I don't know if there was something on Instagram I saw the other day where a landlord said his tenant didn't pay for two years. Right. She didn't pay rent for two years. Now, he went in live with his camera and it was time to, to evict her. Right. But her nails were done. She had an iPhone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like. Uh, I'm willing to work with you if you want to work with me. I'm yes. willing to come down on the rent because after all, the mortgage payment is significantly less lower than your actual, actual rent. So just so we can get past this, I'm willing to let you stay in the property. But. You know, you got to yeah. do something, yeah. you know, because if not, then we have to take the loss. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, you're going to have to be no nonsense. I, I, my, the property in South Carolina, when I first got it, uh, we had a tenant that was, um, the guy, I think he was roughly 28, 29. He was always late on the rent. Now I didn't mind him being late on the rent because he always paid the late fee. Yeah. That's money we don't account for. That was cool. But then they started getting even further behind. These tenants don't, like I said, they don't know that we exist, but I will look them up on Facebook to see who they are. <laughs> right. And in this time, he was a month behind, and I saw that he was literally eating lobster at Disneyland. <laughs> I was like, wait, so he can't pay rent, but he's eating lobster in Disneyland. Oh, man. <laughs> And you know the younger generation they love posting their lives everything yeah on, on instagram i was like oh my god like are you serious right now he i, and I called the, uh, the, the property manager i said he has to go yeah he got to go <laughs> uh -uh. no 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 so that's the thing i've learned is you have to be no nonsense because if people will take advantage of you yeah you know unfortunately that's the way it is that you can't you know and, and let it be known up front you know mm. what the expectations are you know, uh, yeah, I, I can I can agree with that, man. I think, 
like Shara said, we, we, we're just forgiving people, right? Black and brown people. We just, you know, we got too much heart sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah that heart gets you in trouble. Right. <laughs> it will get you in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I think that that's good advice. Yeah, for sure. We can leave it at yeah. that because that's good advice. <laughs> so, so, so we want to know, like, what's next for uh, for you both, you know, as far as real estate? What, what What's the ultimate goal uh, with your real estate investing. I think the goal, what do we say? 10 properties? 10 to 15 properties right. okay. is what we were thinking. Yeah. Uh, just enough to net us between 8 to 10 grand mm-hmm. passive income per month. You know, that's a comfortable number for us. We don't have to own the world or 100 properties or 50. You know, if we can make enough to pay all our bills and have a semi-leverage lifestyle, that, that's good enough for us. So that's what we're trying to get to. So, we don't pace the buyer property once every year, year and a half is what we're trying to do. It's amazing. You guys are well on your way, man. I mean, yes, and yes. it's, it's, it's going to be there before you know it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think Shara knew this, but y'all played a critical role in us getting our last house in Montgomery. Wow. Uh, because we've been following y'all's uh, podcast and, and YouTube page. And once I saw the job about the last property or the property before the last one, you bought, yeah. uh, I said, you know what? Let's take a look in Montgomery. And she yeah. went to school out yeah, here. Yeah, I went to Alabama State. Oh, <laughs> so cool. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy was telling me that offline and uh, that, uh, not to get too into detail, but the house you guys ended up getting, I was like, man, I wanted that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I remember that one. That was a nice one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah so that's great, man. That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we went down. We went, well, we have two there. The first time I went down with him and we just ate, you know, we're up in California and I wanted to go and eat and I found all the good eateries, soul food, food, fried chicken, (laughs) fried catfish. There's a lot of historical things that are there as well. So I was like, oh my goodness, I was was just blown away by just like the museums and the exhibits that they had. So so how has your experience been so far, you know, investing in that area? Well, the, with the house in Montgomery, so we closed on that one in July. Um, one of the tenants, well, the, the first tenant, for whatever reason, uh, my property manager called me and told me that, hey, we got a tenant, they're moving in, and I forgot the date, but for whatever reason, they backed out. So we had to list the house again, gotcha. and now we have a tenant moving in uh, the beginning of September. Okay, That's great. great. So, That's yeah. yeah. And we only stepped, and here's the funny thing, we, uh, because we did have the keys, Tisha took us to the house. The real estate agent, yeah. and we were we we walked in, but it was cloudy. It was in the evening, and the power was off, so oh. we didn't really even get to see the house like we wanted to. <laughs> right, right. But it was, but since we was real close by, we said, "Well, let's just stop by." Yeah, but yeah. yeah, that's great. And it's like just a hop and a skip away from Atlanta. I didn't know it was really that close. You know what I mean? So right. That's yeah, really two and, cool. and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool, man. Well, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. I know you guys busy got got little ones so we don't want to hold you too long but before we get out of here can you tell uh, our listeners maybe if they're intrigued by your story and they want to you know see more or connect with you in any way that you feel comfortable how can they reach out to you uh, on instagram uh, j lane j l-a-n-e uh, 175 cool yeah you can, you can reach me on there uh right. there is one last thing i want to share with the listeners yes sir. for anybody i understand you know, trying to come up with 20% can be challenging. But what I encourage everybody to do is get the knowledge first, because that's free. You know, um, 
Bigger Pockets uh, podcast, episode 200. I tell a lot of people to listen to that one because it gives a full layout on what you should be doing if you want to go the buy and hold route. So get the knowledge. That's more valuable than the actual 20% anyway, because the more you know, the less mistakes you're going to make. Yeah. Right. That's, that's great. So that's, yeah. That's, 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 that's great right there. We really appreciate that. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we're going to get on out of here. For Marcus, uh, for Black Mary Day Free, this is Marcus, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Shira. And we're going to holler at y'all on the next episode. Peace. Bye. Bye.